What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo. Gig economy news and interviews. I'm your host, SJ. And well, it's time to get it home. Welcome, 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 welcome back to another week of Rideshare Rodeo, everybody. How y'all been doing? So yeah, some crazy stuff went down last week. Uh, We'll be jumping into that because I know I talked about it a little, but I think that over the week I've talked about it several times and uh, I've probably got it down to a a good little bullet-pointed thing that I would just like to, you know, get out there, um, that I did go through the whole document. Um, the Biden proposal, and uh, yeah, I mean it's not it's not to me it's not a good looking proposal. It's not or a rule change. It's it's not something I would want at all. Um, but to its credit, um, you know, I was expecting something along the lines of like a pro act, and I'm sure you know because it does affect many people. But um, I'm sure it's just a stepping stone. But it's not as bad as I thought. So there you go. We're going to start off with a little good news, I guess. But before that, let's uh, quickly talk about three things. Let's talk about moves. Let's talk about solo. And let's talk about Mr. Middleton's apps, GaryZapps.com. Okay. Moves Financial, people. MovesFinancial.com. Check them out. They are gig. They are a gig worker-friendly bank. <laughs> or um, bank, uh, yeah, yeah. They have features that you're not going to get from other banks, and uh, you know, you you can earn shares of the stocks of the of the uh, platforms that we all work on. And yes, they're microscopic uh, shares, but they add up. And to be honest, there's no other bank doing it for you. They uh, can provide loans if you're in a jam. So there's a lot of reasons to check them out. Uh, they understand the gig worker and they are trying to help mold a banking solution to the gig worker, which we definitely need. There's a, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's really only moves out there. There's one other one I can think of that really focuses on this, but uh, down the road, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of reasons with moves. And right now there's already enough to go, it doesn't have to change your primary bank. Go check it out. Make your own decision, of course. Work solo. You all should be checking out work solo by now. Come on, guys. If you work in the gig economy, you should be checking out work solo. They do uh, anonymously use your data to be able to give the big incentive that they give. One of the coolest apps out there, you guys. Guaranteed hourly pay. So you can put it once they get enough data and they're in your city live. Even before they're live, you can still be plugged in, helping them gather data so they can start figuring out because they're coming up all over and they're popping up in cities everywhere. So, But they work everywhere. So just get it. 
put solo on your uh, on your in your apps. R- run it when you want or can, um, even if it's not live in your city. Just kind of see, play with it a little bit, just like we do with all apps, you know. Speaking of playing with apps, let's talk about Mr. Middleton's apps. We got the DUH, we got Maximo, we got uh, FlexAlert. So we got the DUH, Driver Utility Helper for DoorDash. We got Maximo for Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, and Uber Eats. And uh, those are both filtering apps for safety and also setting parameters. I don't want to drive farther than this. I want to make this. I don't want to make less than this. Don't show me these. And it's even got that really cool feature. It's been around for a while, guys. Vented by Mr. Middleton himself, except in decline. Um, so you can be, you know, driving, and you don't have to, in the middle of an intersection, look at an order because the ping comes through and figure it out and get into an accident. So uh, Gary is watching all of our backs with that. And to him, I say thank you for that. That said, I do need to point out, let me do it now, that... Uh, the virtual gig con will be this Saturday. What is it? October 22nd. And it starts at 3 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. Find Pedro DoorDash Santiago's page and you will find the whole thing. I'll be there. Uh, a bunch of other people are going to be there. A bunch of other creators. And, um, you know, uh, Solo, uh, Buckle. Um, we've got financial stuff going down. We've got uh, rideshare talk with uh, Sergio from the rideshare guy. All, all kinds of things are lined up, you guys. So check it out. Um, that's Saturday, the 22nd, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. That said, let's get into this, right? I mean, come on. Let's, let's talk here. All right. So here is what a week of talking about this on several shows has Got this down to a pretty good bullet point thing. So I'm going to go through it. We'll see where we're at when I'm done. Um, But I feel good about this. I feel like I've got these down really well and in an order that makes sense. So just roll with me, people. Um, We're going to kind of roll through this. So if you need to, you can speed it up. That's the cool thing about podcasts. I know you can do it on YouTube too, but we all know how easy it is through podcast players. You can speed this up. You can slow it down. Um, you you know, most of us go a little above, if anything, 1.1, 1.25 speed. If we use these podcast apps, uh, maybe slow it down because I'm just going to kind of roll through these. So um, last week, Mark McGann, the Uber, Uber, Uber whistleblower in the biggest Uber uh, United Kingdom gig economy case to reach European Parliament. Uh, it's the... It's the case that is dubbed the Uber Files, which we've probably all heard of. If not, you know, maybe you don't know the details, but you've probably heard that term. That is actually a term referring to these hearings and about um, how to treat uh, their version of an independent contractor as opposed to an employee. So, because they have something a little different that is still a way to be your own business, but. It's a little different than what we have, but they're fighting for that over there too, as well. Um, so the whistleblower that they really need, that the the um, parliament really needs to get this locked down, is Mark McGann. And Mark has now been, I guess, because of some of the other people that are testifying, Mark is now if he if he 
does testify in this, he's going to be sued after the fact by Uber on a on so many charges, basically a life wrecker. So it's like, you know, does he want to be the whistleblower and see this through? They really can't give him the protections um, because it's because it is Uber's place to be able to sue him for all these counts. So there's a good chance he will be pulling out of this. So I point that out because that's going on in the same type of thing we're going to be talking about. Obviously, um, are we employees or are we independent contractors? So the Uber arbitration clause got shot down last week in Pennsylvania. I might have mentioned that on the last podcast. That's a big deal. Um, I would tell you guys, go to rideshararodeo.com and look up um, any of the articles from last week. You'll be able to find the Pennsylvania arbitration case. Uh, That's rideshararodeo.com, guys. So for those of you who are not... Don't worry, we're not going to jump into this too far. (laughs) But you're going to hear two words or two things come out of my mouth that we have talked about quite a few times, AB5 and Prop 22. Don't go anywhere because I'm going to roll through it quick. For those of, of you who are curious how Prop 22 for California was a win for the gig companies, because let's face it, medical stipend, 120% of uh, minimum wage, this, that, the other, um, especially for these delivery companies and such, you know, really, is that a win when, when they're doing $3 base pay orders and you live in San Francisco at 19 and change an hour, that's 24 an hour, they would have to pay you at the 120%. I mean, if they're doing a base pay of $3 orders on DoorDash and stuff, the most you can do in an hour is two. That's $6. And so there's, there's you're subsidized $18 an hour. So, you know, can this last? You know, why was this a win for them? Because, I mean, like, everybody looks at it and says, you know, how is this even a win? What, what was AB5 that they had to go, you, you know, be a company or, you know, have franchises or allow unions, or how does that go? So here's what it is, guys, is that Prop 22 provides perks, yes. It is um, medical stipend, the 120% minimum wage. And I've heard people say that, yeah, that medical stipend's a little hard to get, though, or it only applies to tiers of drivers who do this or that many hours. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if Prop 22 didn't exist... You wouldn't have the flexibility to go on and off the app whatever you want. That would have been a different outlook. That would have looked more like what Massachusetts and Washington State and some of these other ones are going to look like after the new year. Because you would most likely, and let's call it, let's say it's a franchise model. There's different options, but let's say it's a franchise model. You're going to have a shift. You're going to have blocks of work time you can work during those maybe that will be flexible but you can only work during these two hours on this day if you want to you can turn on i don't know that's the first thing new york tried um that didn't really go real well i you know to me um california prop 22 basically said yes we are going to pay a stipend yes we are going to pay um 120 of minimum wage yes we're going to this, that, the other. So what did they get out of it? Well, they got that it also put a... Prop 22 puts a stop to collectively bargain and it st- stops unionization. Um, and I don't mean that like it it as a placeholder is is just helping to stop it. I mean, like that's part of the agreement. That's the deal. 
There would be no collective bargaining and no unionization if Prop 22 existed. It it got voted on in California. Um, one of the you know one of the blue uh, one of the bluest states in the country, and it got it got voted in by three million votes. That's huge. I mean, that means that people, even though that probably goes against their political grind, people still voted that way because they saw what a loss the other way was. So, um, here's what's going on in California now. So, as expected. You know, this was just a prop to get some other states through to this upcoming midterms. Let's get some more AB5 type states going. And we got Washington, Massachusetts, other states um, going in January 2023. Uh, I keep saying it and I'll keep saying it. Massachusetts is the one to be watching. Um, And in those states, they will be pushing for an employment model, collective bargaining and unionization right out of the gate. But let's talk about what's happened in California now. So now that the the show is over for all the fly, let's fly the other states in and show them how how Prop Twenty Two looks. Now that the uh, show the show's over, you know, and and they're tearing down and they're pulling the curtains back. Now there's um, a group of thirty thousand gig workers that have signed um, a new. Uh, they've signed. They've signed this fight, basically an organized fight that they they a prop twenty two isn't enough. They like it. It isn't enough. They now need unions too. <laughs> so if you if you listen to that, I know it's confusing because okay, three million th- the votes won by three million votes that prop twenty two will go and that the companies can pay. Um, stipend and uh, 120% minimum wage in return for no collective bar- bargaining and unionization. So what has happened now? Now they still want Prop 22. And this is what we all knew would happen. However, you got 30,000 gig workers that are collectively bargaining to start to start unions. So they made an agreement. Now they can't live up to it. And they're like, wait a minute, this isn't working. And I think it just goes to show how sometimes people really don't understand these things and their and their broad scope, their reach, the dangers of this stuff. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to be very close and specific to the gig economy right now, but we all know from previous guests and whatnot that that this is uh you know, this has really hurt a lot of people, if not ruined them in California, ruined their business for life, everything. Um, and that's not over-dramatizing. We've talked about this time and time again and uh, on the podcast, on the YouTube channel, on all the social media channels. You can find all of all this stuff. So if you haven't seen some of it, go back and look into the independent contractor stuff I've got up there. Watch Karen Anderson's piece or listen to it. Um, the you know the fight against AB five, but uh, yeah, let's talk Biden's proposal and the forty five days that have begun. So if you all take it back to um, last Tuesday when we were talking, if you remember, the podcast dropped late, and I was waiting for more information. So yes, we touched into this stuff, but not to this depth. And I was only at the time, uh you know, a few pages into the document. And uh, so, yeah, I was also waiting for Thursday to see what was really going to come in the document. So 
Um, Thursday was kind of, and it really didn't change. It's just, it was just the document, you know, no changes. So that's when I really took it on. And uh, let's roll through this because on Thursday, uh, the the proposal to for the rule change became what is official. And official means the 45 days have begun to write in your opinion on how you feel about this. And I think you can go to regulations.gov and you should be able to see it right there in the main ones. It should say gig workers, something. Click that and you can leave your opinion, which also I think voices your concerns to the parties so that they can go to that page can, and read through these. So does it help? I'm not really sure, but it's it doesn't take much time. So, you know, or does it help? I don't know. Does it hurt? No. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, if anything, if it does help a little, it's, it's important. It is that important. So 45 days have begun. So this is basically the process now. So during this time... During the 45 days that we have to write in our opinions, which will basically be almost exactly the end of November, um, during that time, it will take weeks, if not months, to get this thing off the ground. So probably shortly after the 45 days, this thing will get be off the ground. And at that point, it becomes the rule change that Biden is proposing becomes open to litigation from the opposition. The opposition being the Flex Association. And the Flex Association being Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. And um, they basically now, instead of like having all their titles, have just become the, the Flex Association. So we need to keep that plugged in because I will probably be using that term up until the midterms at least, if not beyond um, as these rules and laws will be fought. So basically, that's once it's off the ground, it becomes open to litigation. You know, and I think the first level of litigation is can we reach an agreement? You know, can we reach an agreement between everybody has to be an employee and none of them, none of you are employees? And this is just gig economy stuff I'm talking about right now. It's a little more if I jump in with traditional independent contractorship. But if anybody out there wants to know more about the independent contractorship side of what I saw in this, please email me at steve at rideshareradio.com. Steve at rideshareradio.com. I would love to talk to you. Um, I'm in the traditional uh, gig economy as well as the app-based gig economy. So I've been doing this longer than the apps have been around. But I'm trying to keep this to just the apps right now. So the litigation of the first level being you know like can we um can we settle this kind of thing you know can we can we work this out without all the courts involved cuz this could this could make its way to the highest court in the land so um you know nobody likes that to happen it's wasted money even even all the judges and stuff don't want to see things come that down that way i mean the it, if you think about it it makes sense what what is everybody hoping that people can solve their problems. Even even government, they want their money out of everything, but really they don't want to they don't want to have to waste 100,000 man hours. They just they're like are we getting our money regardless? Yeah, okay, well then get it done quick. So they just want it done, you know. So if you can if you can on a level 1 litigation kind of 
come up with some agreement or something to help moving into a um, what is certain to be a challenged um, rule. Because at this point, if they can't litigate on that first level, which I don't think they can because they've been drawing this already for a long time. But once the rule is announced, so the 45 days have gone by, it's off the ground. Uh, the Flex Association, a.k.a. the opposition to this new proposed rule of Biden's that everybody be an employee um, and be unionized, uh, basically then... Once the rule is announced, it will almost certainly be challenged in court. And that's most, that's pretty much all rules get challenged in court. Um, this is a weird way to go about something. And again, I will just relate it to the, uh, to the PRO Act. You know, Biden was, you know, his coming into office, Green New Deal and PRO Act. Um, he's pushing both hard. PRO Act really kind of, it was close. It was very close, scarily close. However, it didn't go through in the end, and uh, and I think this is his version of, you know, then they tried to shove the pieces through. Now this is the reassembled pieces of what should probably make it. So it most certainly will be challenged by the Flex Association, right? I mean, let's be honest here. This, these guys are going to put lawyers on this forever. So judicial proceedings on a rule, on average, take one to two years. And really, they don't. I have not seen many that ever fell outside of the scope of three years, though. And I was even looking at one back in the '80s that was actually against uh, uh, Philip Morris um, for uh, when it was uh, big tobacco and stuff. And I, you know, there was one there, and it was really drawn out, and it only took like two and a half years. So the far end of this isn't quite as broad as I thought. So the window is one to two years on a judicial proceeding on a rule change if it's challenged by the opposition, which it will be. Here's the thing, though. So oddly, the Biden proposal um, is limited to only apply to employment policies that the labor board enforces. So what does that mean? That means that we that this proposal is only or it's limited to only basically federal minimum wage, which is just under $8, I believe, right now. I, sh- I would look that up. My computer is uh, running the recording. And I don't have a touchpad in front of me. Okay, so, yeah. Um, but I think it's just under $8. Uh, so, basically, the proposal would apply to that. Federal minimum wage. Now, the IRS and state governments, we know that they are both different entities, all three independent of each other. So federal standards, state standards, IRS standards are all independent agencies in this country um, that represent us down to our location. So your state, I mean, your city, your state is all represented within your state, but your state represents pretty much your voice. Um, The IRS is the IRS and the Fed is the Fed. So um, here's, here's why, even though the proposal only hits the federal minimum wage, at the push that it's being given, here's the thing, though, is that they really want, first of all, they really want uh, people not working gig apps anymore. And it's really odd to me because a new thing that I added into this um, little breakdown was, you know, 80 plus percent of gig workers in this country work 
16 hours or less a week. So that means 80% of the gig workers in this country are a little bit under the traditional part-time hours. Um, You know, like, you know, if it was like two or three shifts is part-time, this is like on the two shift side. So it's, we got 80% are part-time. None of them want this. None of them want this because they don't want to, they probably, if you, if they're only working eight, let's say eight, nine, 10 hours a week, and this is extra income for them, they probably have a W-2. That's how they make their money. And they just do this for some extra spending money, extra saving money, whatever it might be. But they won't be able to work under a W-2 unionized um, system. So that's going to take out a lot of the people who work after they get off work and help out with events and getting people around the city and all the, you know, moving food and all the things that kind of have become part of the gig economy as we know it. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's going to be very interesting at the very least to see how all this goes. Because again, keep your eye on Massachusetts. Um, he probably in Massachusetts, but here's the thing, you guys. Okay, so I was I was going off on a little. Um, I was afraid I was going to go too pro Act AB five there. So most likely over time, most states will adjust to be aligned with this proposal. And for those of you saying, "What do you mean?" You know, um, right to work states or this or you know Texas, Florida, they're not going to. Well, okay, let's slow down. So we we don't even have this rule change in place. California is already doing AB5, Prop 22, uh, Washington State, um, Massachusetts, and then the th- I know that Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, uh, New Jersey, and there is one more on the East Coast, but Massachusetts and, and Washington State are both already in 2023 starting AB5 type legislation. However, um, you won't be able to... Uh, this one is just going to be a straight push for unionization and employment model. Um, I think Washington State's is a little more, a little different, but that's here's the the reason that they're going to need to all be aligned. So these states are going before there's even the rule in place. So they're recognizing at least in their state and by federal standards, and obviously the way politics works, that this is the big push the government's trying to make right now. That we all need to work under a W-2 type model and have our taxes taken out because we gig workers are too stupid to figure this out on our own, figure out how to... That's the government's position. I mean, is it really? Probably not because they just don't like knowing if they're being paid. But here's here's my battle on that side too, guys, is that um, everybody keeps... I've heard this a bunch lately, like... Uh, independent contractors don't pay their taxes, right? Blah, 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 blah. You know, or they don't pay. You know what? I, You guys, I'm not even going to bring any stats to the table. I'll let you guys go Google Google search this. Go Google search how many, you know, or go Google search something in the line or something in the arena of how many W-2 people who do get a straight up, here's your, here's what you owe. I mean, they, it's, you just plug it in. But how many, how many people straight up the get w2s just don't pay their taxes i think you guys might be surprised it's a you know there are a lot of people who literally don't just don't pay their taxes 
So, I mean, if if there's if if there's some gig economy people putting the wrong number on the wrong line because Uber is sending 1099Ks and 1099NECs and it's confusing people and why am I seeing all the earnings? Why isn't Uber pulled out their part? What's going on here? It's confusing. But at least, I mean, I would say at least a lot of gig workers are doing their taxes. It's so... It's a mixed bag. I don't think I'm not saying W2 people are any worse, but I I just think that it's a I think it's pretty equal is what I'm saying. Like you you have an equal um allotment in percentage-wise probably to ICs who don't pay taxes and W2 people who don't pay taxes. So I just think that that's how it is. I mean, if somebody wants to prove me wrong and say, nope, it's 99% independent contractors and only 1% of W-2 employees in this country don't pay, I'm fine. Just Steve at Rideshare Rodeo. And I'll even share it on the air. And again, guys, send me stories. Send me things to read on the air. But yeah, so here's the thing. Um, The reason that these will need to be aligned is mainly because over the next few years, as these things change... um, judges, uh, state, federal legislatures, uh, administrative bodies, um, unemployment, uh, portable benefits, all these things are going to need to have law to interpret employment status and workers' rights. And they're going to need to be synced up on a state, on a local, on and then somewhat on a federal level. I mean, you can be different, but after this many years, a change of this kind is going to kind of cre- ha- a force the hands of all states to kind of redraft. And my fear there is that a lot of these states that we think we're so safe with, because, well, dude, this state wouldn't do it. You know, there's a lot of states that you might not think would do it that actually might do it. Um there are some exceptions, but I don't know if, for the most part, even if your state, no matter how it lands politically, it seems to me that that there seems to be a price. Um, what that price is, I don't know. Um, hopefully, we don't have to go there, and hopefully, we can just shoot down these stupid rules that want to end people's businesses of 40 years that they put everything that they had into building only to watch it be taken away and at a time when it's hard enough to try and do your own business. You know? I mean, I don't know. More more power to them. But we got to get them back their power. That's that's the problem. Okay, guys. I got, I got just a couple more things and uh, then I'm going to get us out of here. Uh, it's good to be back. On, I keep saying it, but it's good to be back. I'm getting... I'm getting my reps down. Uh, I'm doing the single take, and uh, it's um, yeah, it's it's fun to be back. I feel I'm already start. I, I'm while I'm talking, I'm thinking about ideas for future things from things I've done on YouTube or on this or that or collaborations, and um, yeah, I'm just getting a lot of ideas now. So it's it's I need them not to come to me while I'm recording the podcast. However, very glad they did. Um, let's, let's first jump into, there's a couple things we need to, or we should talk about. Uh, it's been going on for a while, but, um, Uber Eats in, uh, Toronto, Canada, uh, today or no, no, sorry, yesterday. Um, 
Yesterday was the first day that it was legal to deliver marijuana on Uber Eats in Toronto, Canada. Um, it's weird because it says Uber is partnering with online cannabis marketplace Leafly, um, which was lined up, uh, which has lined up three Toronto area retailers to kicking off the program. There was the retailer staff. Um, rather than Uber drivers, will handle the drop-off, the company said on Sunday. So um, I'm not really sure. What that, uh, so I, I, my guess is, being living here in Colorado, I'm very familiar with these laws. We've had them around for a while. My guess is that uh, these will be stapled bags um, that somehow they're going to have some kind of, uh, like, uh, like uh, kid-proofed zip seals that even once they're opened once, shows they've been broke. So everything that's delivered is going to, you know, there's really no way to tamper with it. Um, But I guess we will see. Uh, There's all kinds of articles out about it, but it's just articles about it's starting. So we won't know. Next week, we'll have some information on this because we need to see how it goes for a week. Here in the United States, I know that, you know, like here in Colorado, I know that Uber tried this, but I know it couldn't be a thing because dispensaries here in Colorado, they need to hire people who are bonded uh, so that they can go into the houses. Uh, they can transport money for a company. And I know there's, there's, you know there's different levels of this. Obviously, you could take, if you're a bartender, you could take the deposit from the night before for your bar down to the bank and drop it in. And so, I mean, how this all works, but here you need to be, um, you need to actually work with the companies. And I don't know if it's independent contractorship here, but I do know you have to go through getting all of your licensing. So the same licensing that the people would need to work at the dispensaries here in Colorado, you need to be able to drive that. And that involves classes, costs, all these things. A lot of things gig workers um, really aren't going to spend money on unless uh, they think they're going to make a lot of money or whatever, because it's also going to involve some working. (laughs) But so Newsom's timeline goes like this. 2035 or 2025, 35% of the vehicles sold in California must be 100% electric or um, hydrogen or uh, hybrid, I believe. But the hybrid models are even going to be like very, they're not going to go back till even that far at all. But regardless, let's say that it was all hybrids. Um, Personally, I think the hybrid model was skipped over much too quick, but let's skip that for a minute. His these dates that he's talking about twenty twenty five thirty five percent and then he's and then they've actually wrote this into I mean this is the kind of stuff you need to be very cautious about not putting dates on but then he said that each year after that he will increase it eight percent so he's going to increase it eight percent um you know which will put it in by twenty twenty eight you're going to be just under sixty percent so. There's no way that the math for this works. There's no way that the taxes could be hiked enough where the average person could take on the bill. So Proposition twenty or 30 is exactly that. Proposition 30 says that to get to basically to get to Newsom's um green uh deal, his twenty twenty all the all the all the levels that he's set that they must hit. Um to, the only way to get there is to get um, you know, a 
almost all of the funding paid for by the top 1% uh, richest in California. Now, here's the issue. Newsom has been on every side of the fence saying, we need this green, we need this green, I don't care, we need it, I don't care what it does. But now he actually is in the 1%, and he's not really for, (laughs) he's not for Prop 30. Uh, Clearly, it doesn't benefit him while he's in office. Usually, I would think, you know, if you're you're Newsom, you can afford it. You almost got to bite through that one. I know his... He's got a lot of uh, people who donate and stuff that wouldn't be happy, but honestly, there's no way around that. Because what he's trying to do is just throw stuff at Lyft and say, yeah, of course Lyft is doing this. It makes me look bad. And it's like, well, yeah, it does make you look bad because this is all your idea. None of us believe it can work. We think that your um, your target dates or your set in stone target dates now are just way, way, way out of reach. I mean, infrastructure-wise, there's nothing. We don't have infrastructure for the fake autonomous cars going on in Vegas or in Austin or in Miami. I mean, this it's just, everything is so... <sighs> target dates are so ridiculous. They need to be somehow standardized and penalized if they're not hitting these. Because I've said before that you can't tell me that People don't see that autonomous is coming and Uber's got this and they, oh they're gonna they're the best. Well, I've said before Uber's not even in the top 100 for autonomous companies, um, so they're not even on the world scale. They're, they're not even considered anything. They're just like oh isn't that that rideshare company? So I mean, but if you hear that it's coming out, that could affect how you invest with the stock. And to me, I think they need to start being held accountable or else don't give dates. That sounds fair, right? I mean, you can say anything you want in these interviews, right? Anything you want. And you can even give dates, but you better meet them. But you could say anything you want and say it's coming down the road, any of that. And if they say when, you must answer like, I don't know, because here's the thing. They don't know. I talk to enough people on the high up end of things where they don't know. I mean, the best people have been very honest with me. They don't know. And so... Even at best guesses, though, everybody I know in this in this uh, space all knows. Even at best guesses, they're they're reaching, they're reaching real far, thinking that you know that we're going to hit these target dates that aren't even close in reality. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. You know, um, but yeah, we got that. We got the. We talked last week about Instacart. Um, uh lawsuit that was being settled um you know we got this is kind of interesting too i was watching some videos of um so we have the neuro robots delivering food for uber right well starship has been around for about six seven years and if you look back on youtube you can go look up starship uh delivery robots and you will see the exact same robot as the neuro robots but you'll see that the videos for the neural robots that are out right now saying, look at these autonomous delivery robots. Look up Starship delivery robots and you'll find out that these have been around for seven years and watch a video or two. You'll see that they do the exact same things as the neurobots. So to me, it's I almost, I've been watching a bunch of these older videos. It's almost like nothing has ha- happened in seven years and they're just trying to rebrand them. But now I was I was watching these old ones. I was like, "What is Starship doing?" Well, um, it 
actually has an answer. Starship has partnered with Grubhub to bring sidewalk bots to colleges. So I know that that's what Neuro's doing too in Texas and some other spots. But now Starship, which has been around a lot longer, and they've been doing these, and Neuro pretty much copied it. I mean, not just the idea, the robot, everything. Which I think all of them look like junk, by the way. Um, But Starship is now partnering with Grubhub, who has this partnership with Prime. And I'm wondering, is this going to start involving Prime? Like, I, I, I always wonder where's Grubhub's what's Grubhub's approach here? Are they about to do something cool? And I feel like they always drop the ball and let me down. <laughs> but I feel like maybe this partnership with Prime, I don't know. I don't know what these uh the Starship one is, but here's what I am glad about. I don't think Autonomous is anywhere close. Uh maybe these delivery robots on college campuses, but I even watched enough of the videos. And if you guys just want to have some fun. You know, like when you go on YouTube and pick a topic and just start watching some random random videos. If you guys want to have some fun, uh, actually go on and watch some of these robot videos. They get stuck all the time. Like they knock each other off the roads um, or off the sidewalk on these college campuses. It's pretty funny stuff, to be honest. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, the big news, you guys, right now. Uh, oh, and then next week, we will also be talking about uh, a couple things going on with Lyft. They're testing a new pay algorithm um, that I think is going to hurt the drivers. But we'll talk about that next week. Lyft is also um, is getting uh, a big, big increase in their auto insurance. I... I actually wonder how many of you are too. Um, if you are getting a change or if you got a letter, because even if you even if you haven't done anything wrong, across the board, auto insurance has is kind of taking a up bump this year. And even if like you normally don't get a you know you don't see barely anything change on your premiums this year, you're going to see a bigger change. All of us are, even good drivers. So. You probably already got some kind of uh, letter, email, something from your insurance in the past few weeks. Uh, I know a lot of people, most people that have. Um, And so, you know, if you have saying that your insurance costs are going to be going up, this is what's happening to Lyft too on that side. And it's to their, what they need to to live up to the the part, part they'll cover with your insurance if something were to happen. So, because of the insurance costs rise, Lyft is about to hike uh, the service fee, which will put them probably just out, put them a little more expensive than Uber rides most of the time, which is very interesting because pre-pandemic, we watched these guys cut a penny off. To be one penny cheaper, they were doing whatever they had to do to undercut the other Lyft and Uber. But Lyft is in such a bad place right now. I mean, they got really... They only got one country left. You know, they tried Canada. They were going to go for Europe more, but they never got there. Um, Uber's worldwide. Lyft is in the United States, and Lyft is taking a beating, just like most businesses, but they seem to be taking it extra hard. So um, they are going to try the rate hike on the on the service fee. I doubt anything will come up to the drivers that way, but we do know that by the end of the year, we should be seeing complete transparency across the board on all rideshare rides, um, Uber and Lyft. And so 
I mean, really, that's what we've been fighting for forever. So that's going to make all these laws seem all the dumber that they finally succumb to some of this stuff. Like once it's too late, right? Um, you guys, that's that's it for this week. That's it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got a lot more coming. Um, I am. I've got a target time on this podcast, and then we've got everything else that we do. Everything can be find, found at RideshareRodeo.com now. Even Uber Lyft drivers is being... You'll be rerouted right now from RideshareRodeo.com to UberLiftDrivers.com, but eventually that's UberLiftDrivers.com is just going to be an archived section of Rideshare Rodeo. So everything will come from there. You'll be get to all the social medias. Um, you can go to Patreon.com backslash RideshareRodeo. Um, I'm about to start Project Dumpling. And uh, if if you want to see how you can start your own dumpling business and you want to see how um, maybe Instacart helps play a little role in that, um, well, come on over to Patreon and uh, you can be able to check it out. You know, <laughs> um, I'm also going to be doing polls in there and asking people questions. I've already been doing so. I'm just finally pulling the trigger. We're getting ready to roll it out. It's going to roll out at the beginning of next month. First got this weekend and the gig worker uh, conference, virtual con, gig worker conference.com. Click uh, virtual con and uh, you will see the lineup and everything. And uh, join us on Saturday for sure. And that's it, you guys. I am looking forward to having some guests. Uh, guest segments aren't going to be the entire piece anymore. For the Tuesday drop, they will be 15 to 20 minutes. So it's going to be a lot of fun. New drivers, um, people I haven't had on before, different markets, all that stuff. Getting some stuff lined up. It's going to be awesome. Stick with us. Uh, check out Solo. Check out Moves. Check out Gary'sApps.com. And as always, feel free to always reach out to me, Steve, at RideshareRodeo.com. Okay, y'all are the best. Be safe. Earn smart and spin some good into this crazy world. See you back here next week. Oh, rodeo.